Welcome to The Drummer's Pathway, the podcast about music, life, and the creative process. Hello, I'm Michael Scott, and welcome to The Drummer's Pathway podcast. On this episode, my guest is Dr. Pamela Serafin. Dr. Pamela, as she is affectionately known, is a neuroscientist and mental health consultant recognized for her extensive expertise in trauma recovery and brain health. Beyond her contributions to neuroscience, Dr. Pamela is also an accomplished world percussionist. Combining her scientific knowledge with her artistic expression, Dr. Pamela's study of music's impact on the brain inspires others to enhance their overall well-being through the power of rhythm. In her interview, we talk about her passion for drumming and the setbacks she's encountered which led her down the path to become a neuroscientist. We also discuss why it's essential to stay committed to following the right therapy path to overcome challenges and achieve all of the things we are capable of in our lives. Let's get started. Dr. Pamela Serafin, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. We have been connecting online for a number of years now since I first reached out to you after Dom Famliero gave me a copy of your book, The Drummer's Manifesto. And I was really inspired and intrigued by your study in terms of the scientific aspect of drumming and rhythm and how that can affect people in terms of overcoming mindset issues and dealing with stress or different traumas in their life. So I'm really looking forward to picking your brain on some of these concepts and just seeing if we can kind of get into why learning drumming and why the study of drums can be so beneficial to people's mental wellness. Oh, thanks, Michael. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. We got a lot to talk about. I'm telling you, we got a lot to unpack. So I'm like, okay, let's pace ourselves here. Because <laughs> I, I know that I know that we this has been a long time in the making you and I connecting. So I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. I'm very familiar with, with your background. But for people that aren't familiar with how you started this journey, what's a little bit of your background? Oh, wow. Uh, th- that's a big question. So I'll try to, <laughs> I've been at it a long time. So yeah, so let me give you a, a, a brief description of my past, the path of the drummer uh, pathway for me, because I started at 12 years old, like many other drummers on the drum kit, well, drum snare at that time. Mm-hmm. But I come from, and this is what makes it so different of how the path that I took, I come from a world of trauma and poverty and violence and no resources like no support. No, I didn't have them. My parents drove me to lessons and then I met these famous people. And they, I had nothing for a tremendous, basically so much of my entire adult life. So I was a really different kind of drummer because I didn't have access right away to a drum kit. You know, I couldn't I couldn't afford drumsticks. I didn't have music. I didn't have access to um, uh, teachers. Um, and, but I had this incredible passion for drumming. It made me feel like I had a place in the world compared to where I come from 
that I belonged, that I had value, that I could contribute, that it was it was just such a deep uh, calling for me without knowing how hard it would be <laughs> to go down the path. And so, yeah, so that's, you know, and, and then it has evolved, like to just give you a quick update. So I ended up going more into world percussion because I was a mom. I had three kids. I was a single mom, still very much str struggling in the world of trauma and then ended up being in world percussion because, you know, it was functional. Right. I, I, I'm not going to go play in some rock band anymore and that. So it ended up being on uh, that road to, to becoming a world percussionist and just being so passionate about it. And then, of course, all hell broke loose and <laughs> sent me on a whole different path. Do you want to talk about that now? <laughs> sure. So, well, yeah, so, well, let's, let's, boy, the listeners are going to be, what the hell? So I suffered right when I was starting to get on the global stage, right? Right when I had recorded an album, a solo album, Fearless and Feminine album, I had just gotten onto the stage that, you know, where I had worked so hard and then suffered a major shoulder rot rotator cuff injury that made completely made my left arm unusable for years and that's what changed my life that made me go back into higher education and sent me down the path <laughs> of studying the neurobiological effects of drumming for trauma recovery who knew that was ever going to be a thing right at a time so this is this is more than 15 years ago like i have been in this at a level that you, you can't even imagine because none of this existed. And I had this vision of what, if you could redefine drumming for, for you know, redefine the benefits and understand what the hell is happening in your brain when we're drumming? Why is it feeling so good, guys? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what can we do? Like, what is it that made me sustain my life for so long? What were the, the neurobiological effects? Um, of course. And so I just went down that path at a time where everyone thought I was just batshit crazy for doing <laughs> so. <laughs> Until now, <laughs> now it's all paying off. <laughs> well, one of the things that I do find particularly inspiring about your story is that too many times when people look at different people's careers, say we're trying to follow a music path, there's a path that's given to us that we're kind of told in order to do this, you have to follow these steps and you have to do this. And then these are the career options that are going to open up to you. And then you're going to either be A, B or C, but you need to do this. And it's all about networking and it's about connection. And it's about playing the game. And one yeah. of the things that I think so many people, myself included, has sort of struggled with over the years is... I didn't want to play the game. I wanted to be part of this community, but mm -hmm. I needed to figure out what I needed to do. What was the right sort of path for me? And sometimes you need the courage or the bravery to jump off that path and to mm -hmm. explore. And some people might not understand that, but you need to do that for yourself in order to fulfill yourself. And through my mm -hmm. studies and things over the years, one of the things that I've really found about taking those risks 
is that it not only made me a better musician, it actually made me better in all of the other aspects in my life because I started to put my mindset and my brain stuff as a priority. And sometimes I'll have to look at some of the things that I've done and and I don't understand why playing music made it easier to deal with other aspects of my life but there mm-hmm. is a huge aspect in terms of the the holistic aspect of rhythm and drumming and i'm really looking forward to kind of getting into this path and finding out why music and drumming feels so good and makes it easier to deal with other aspects in your life yeah, that it, it's a big topic. Happy to talk about it because I, like I said, I'm passionate about it. But there are so many misconceptions. It is the world of misconceptions. <laughs> I spend so much of my time going, okay, that's not what that actually means, yeah. and trying to clarify. So I work, of course, in trauma recovery, but I specialize in retraining the brain, really about mastering the brain. And so drumming is the tool, one tool that I use, an important tool, but not everything. And this is this misconception that when we use blanket statements, of course, and I understand why it happens, like music can, you know, save your life and drumming of, of all health benefits. You know, all you got to do is drum, everybody yeah. drum. And, and reality, no, if that was the case, we wouldn't have such severe mental health problems within not only the drumming industry within music hello the music industry suffering from serious mental health issues now we know that for the most part creatives most of the times you come from a trauma background right and so there's such a difference of using music for different reasons like self-expression and, and these kind of character building and, and this kind of thing compared to trauma recovery, PTSD, C- CPTSD recovery, different topic. So I, I really need to kind of clarify so that we're like, wait a minute, yeah. this <laughs> means this, this means this. <laughs> it's not all the same. Because what happens is people go, oh, aren't you the one that used drumming for trauma recovery? And it's like, uh, that's like a small percent of what I do. Important part because I'm passionate about it. But there definitely needs to be a greater understanding of how the brain works. So how you can use the tool, just yourself even, to, to enhance your mental health, your overall health, your quality of life, to retrain your brain. And that's what that's what we can get into. <laughs> One of the things that I have heard you talk about as well on different interviews is that too many times people put too much emphasis on music as healing the spirit and and being the the healing tool for all aspects in your life. And it's not. It's an element that can get you started on a path, but it's essential that you look at other aspects, whether it be therapy or cognitive tools and things that you can encounter to work at all of these things in combination. I know for me, for years, I've been dealing with anxiety and different elements as well that I've been learning tools to, to focus on a lot of those things. But one of the things that I personally have found with music, when someone gets in a funk, whether it be trauma or depression or other aspects in life, the tendency is to withdraw. 
and to hide mm -hmm. from all the things that are challenging because it's a way for them to focus on things. What my wife will usually tell me to do when I'm going through some of these things is get off the couch, go down to your drum room and play drums for 10 minutes. And then I will go down, yeah. I will play music. It energizes me, makes me feel better, clears my headspace. And then I will come back upstairs yeah. and I will go for a walk to start getting back on track. So I don't look as music as being the be all and end all in terms of therapy. I look at music mm -hmm. as being the starting point just to kind of, you know, give yeah. you that energy and that confidence and just to get you focused. But the rest of the stuff is an awful lot of work and you have to be willing to embrace that work and those challenges. Yeah. So let's unpack what you said, because I can see where you're coming from and you think, okay, you know, I, I feel like hell I'm suffering. <laughs> I'm going to go play drums. Therefore I feel better. So like, that's, that's how it starts. Right? So I went like, what the hell's happening in the brain? So let me unpack this in a simple way that, for starters, there's three primary ways that we change the brain. And let me say this, all suffering, all experiences, all thoughts, all behaviors, all personality, all worldview, the brain is the source. Everything's processed through the brain. So starting point is thinking of your, your brain as a separate entity from yourself, your true self, what I call the soul, mm -hmm. right? So your, your brain is here, your soul is separate. Now you use your mind to change your brain and you use your body to change the brain. You can't heal from, I don't care what kind of mental health struggle you're, you can't heal without using both. You have to use your mind to change your brain, your body to change your brain, and your soul. Now let's talk about that soul because what happens is that's your conscious self. Your soul starts to die, right? It, I know what it's like for my soul to feel like it's absolutely dying to the point that I wanted to die because my brain has taken over and crushed my soul. So you've got to learn how to nurture your soul know how to align your goals, what's valuable to you with your souls to build it up strong enough to control your brain. So when you're making that effort to go down in your, your drum studio, your soul is, is taken over. That's your conscious self. I'm going to go do this. And then what happens is because you're suffering at that time, your brain is starting to disconnect from your body. So it that's what disassociation is, right? So it shuts down the prefrontal cortex because your, your body's going numb. So the rhythms, once you sit down, it brings back on the prefrontal cortex, which allows you to think again. That's why you feel grounded. Like that's massive amount of value for human beings they don't understand they just like disconnect the brain from the body and you're just trying to survive where you in innately know that when you go down to play something happens right that you feel better well that's what it is you've now reset your nervous system from being in that kind of response, whether it's anxiety or depression or whatever you're dealing with, and you're back in your body, you can think straight again, therefore you move forward. So that's that's just one way. 
That's just one point of how you're using it. And there's many more ways that we can use rhythm as a way to get back into the body and retrain the brain. I also know that breathing properly and breathing techniques, it's a really essential aspect to our craft yes. that is under acknowledged. And it's mm -hmm. also essential to our personal wellness and being aware of the breathing aspects and the things that you do can have an incredible benefit in terms of resetting yourself. And I know that's something that you have discussed as well. And then I would be mm -hmm. interested on why you see that to be such an essential tool. Well, the, the breathing, once again, that's a lower, that's a body-based technique, using the body to retrain the brain. It goes to lower levels of your brain, right? This is why it's so valuable. So for depending on what level you're dealing with, like if it's a panic attack or if you've got serious depression or depending on what it is, the breathing is going to help reset your nervous system. Now, for some people like myself, depending on how much you're suffering, it's not enough. Like it's a reset, but it won't stay. So that's why grounding into the body helps on top of the breathing. So the two together is so valuable. And that body awareness, like I said, for most, and, and let me say this, I did, I, 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 I train mostly, I work mostly with men. They're the, they're the, and, and badass men. Like I'm, I'm telling you, these are tough, tough men. A lot of, you know, first responders, they're tough men. And they, you've trained your body to be removed from your emotions. Most men, culturally, that's how you've been trained to live, right? So to get back in your body is so imperative to be able to experience because if you have all these negative emotions and you've suppressed them into your body, all that energy is there, you can't experience all the positive emotions, right? You've disconnected from sensory of your body. So once again, here we have this incredible discipline of drumming that can allows you to get back in your body with the breathing. But I'm telling you, all the breathing in the world is not. I'm like, <laughs> you can breathe all you want. It does not compare yes. to the rhythmic control. It doesn't compare. But you need both. You need body awareness. And that's a big part of what's missing in this world for drumming. We talk about we're mostly body, right? But just playing drums and playing to a, you know your music in a band—that's that's a that's a different thing, people, right? It's different. It's not the same. We got to like broaden our our awareness of what is possible to for that to be so beneficial and valuable for people. In your book, you talk a lot about the concept of rhythmic entrainment. So what would, mm -hmm. how would you define that and why is that an essential thing for us to be aware of? So, yeah, that's a good question. Rhythmic entrainment is also complicated, so I'm going to simplify. So it's, it's basically the neurophysiological synchronization of sensory input brain waves of the person and then the rhythmic patterns being played. So you're gonna have a change in brainwave states, which is incredibly valuable. Now, it also means neural rhythmic entrainment can be the entrainment with your nervous system, with my nervous system, another two people. Like for my work, of course, 
in trauma recovery, I'm co-regulating my clients. So if you come in and you're in a heightened state of anxiety, I'm going to co-regulate because my nervous system's stronger. I'm going to, I'm going to help you regulate to come back to homeostasis. If you're in depression, I'm going to lift you up. Now, rhythmic entrainment, you can learn to do that for yourself. And what the confusion is, is people think, well, if you're playing, then your brainwave patterns, there's so much going on in your head and it's complicated and fast. And no, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> because if you, it, it depends on if you know the pattern. So if you know the pattern has gone into your motor memory, then no, it's a form of meditation. Well, then that's another benefit. That's, that's, that alone is huge. That's a separate topic right of neurorhythmic entrainment through meditation on drumming but what happens is people think oh well and then you're just meditating and then it's like they it kind of gets thrown out and it's like oh my you're missing the most value the most value does that mean that it's that that you can't be like a kick-ass drummer you can do both people <laughs> you can do both absolutely one of the other things that i found interesting as well is that you talked about the concept of rhythmic entrainment and how it can be effective to deal with different aspects such as stress, anxiety, depression, or even sometimes dealing with the concept of shame. You talked a lot about mm -hmm. how a lot of your clients tend to be really sort of strong male types and yeah. dealing with the aspect of shame can be really difficult for males in a lot of different societies because there's an image that they feel like that they need to portray and they have mm -hmm. to be strong. And so they don't deal with these things they just tend to hide them and i think yeah. i i think in a lot of ways society is starting to find people opening up a little bit more acceptable than it has mm -hmm. been before but there's always that that stigma attached to it as well and so how do you feel that some of these rhythmic concepts that you you talk about how do you feel that can be a benefit for dealing with some of these aspects? Once again, this is a huge question. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, that's but, okay. But if you if you can kind of just like sort of just narrow it down a little bit, how have you found some of these techniques to, to really benefit people for helping them even just start the process for overcoming some of these challenges? Well, that, that's a great question because I see, you know, tremendous amount of this. So let's talk about dark emotions, like what you would call dark emotions, like like anger and shame and guilt and all these emotions that for most part, and I speak about men because that's who I usually deal with, that have suppressed them because they're tough. A lot of them, they come from stoic cultures, right? You've got to have this brute force. And then we have mental toughness on top, on top of it, which because it's mental toughness, they think it's the mind you know, there's such a push for controlling the mind, not knowing that it comes from the brain. <laughs> so they have suppressed this. So there's a disconnect from those emotions once again. But the, 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 the difference is it doesn't mean you have to be all into your feelings, mm -hmm. right? You all of a sudden now got to be like talking about, I'm always like, feelings are not <laughs> facts, people. But for men to be able to have an outlet, when they don't have to verbally express something, to express the hatred, the darkness, the anger, the resentment, the shame, 
the the drumming, the rhythmic and drumming is so incredible for them. It gives you a way to express toxic energy from your body. Now you got to remember all that when you go into that fight or flight response, it gets pressed down when you suppress it, stays in your muscles, in your cells, in your tissues. It has to be released. Otherwise, you go down the path of, of illness, disease, depression, suicide. So here you have this tool, once again, to express it, to get that dark. I'm always like, it is, <laughs> I, I'm like, don't get me swearing here because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like balls to the wall speed yeah. and like push that energy out. And like, that's another thing. There's this, this misconception that going fast speed is somehow, you know, counter to how a drummer has to be. And it's like, well, that it, it's because it's for something else. So speed to release energy requires you to be incredibly relaxed. You can't have speed with being tense. Well, that, that, that alone is valuable to teach somebody to get that output out depending, doesn't matter the, what the rhythm is or what it is, it can be just rudiments, but to get that speed and express what's inside of you, that's, that's game changer for men and women, but women are usually swing way more the other side, very much into their feelings because we have been raised in a society that has, you know, really pushed that as the, the theme for for women. So not to say all women people don't be throwing tomatoes <laughs> at me here, but still, you know, I, I do come from these two different worlds because I work so much inside this male, very male dominated, and it comes from the drumming industry. It's a very male dominated industry, and yet you have so many men that are still suffering, and I, I. I'm like, I, I don't want, I, not on my watch. Yeah. If I can help you, if, if you get in front of me, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to, we're going to change that. I'm going to teach you how to master your brain is so that you can express that and have a higher quality of life instead of suffering in silence, silence which most men are suffering from without a doubt. Well, and one of the other things that I find interesting about um, whether it be therapy or just people dealing with whatever aspect they're dealing with in their lives. The tendency, as I said earlier, is to withdraw, make it um, yeah. a solitary pursuit in terms of how they can cope with things. And that makes things more of a challenge. And one of the advantages sometimes that that drumming music and particularly rhythm has is that is there's a it, there's an advantage in terms of the community aspect. Yes, you can look at society and there's drum circles around and some of them can be a little bit out there and some of them can be yeah. really beneficial. But one of the things mm -hmm. that I think is value is that it, it's inclusive and mm -hmm. you have people that can be a master of their craft and you have people that can be a beginner at their stages in terms of this path but if you find the the right ensemble it allows you to participate and one of the things sometimes mm -hmm. about the community aspect in terms of healing is that you have to feel like you're part of something to get comfortable mm -hmm. before you're willing to open up and start dealing with things. The further you are from the community aspect, the harder it is sometimes to deal with whatever challenges that you've got. And so I, I see music as 
being essential as be not just as a solitary aspect, but I think it's essential mm -hmm. that it's part of someone's ensemble, whether it be playing in a band, which has its own challenges or, or whether yeah, it yeah. be just the, the rhythmic aspect of allowing people to participate and just being welcome. Mm -hmm. Do you find that it's more of an advantage for people to kind of get into some sort of ensemble or to be part of a, a community? Or, or is it more beneficial sometimes just to kind of follow your own path? Or does it depend on the situation? Yeah, uh, you know, that's a good question because there is, there's a lot of complicated questions here. But <laughs> but here's the thing. So, so drum circle, that's a whole different world, right? beneficial in many ways to certain people that want that kind of connection where you don't have to learn how to play you're just connecting with other human beings is there a positive to that absolutely right if you come from a history of trauma your brain has now normally your brain is wired to connect History of trauma makes you protect. So you're in protection mode, very hard to connect with people. So sometimes that kind of situation sure is beneficial, but that does not mean, I mean, I'm not part of that world and that does not mean that there's not benefits there. But for other drummers that want to be like the people that I work with that don't have access to this global community of drumming. Mm -hmm. And I tell them they do belong. They absolutely belong. You're welcomed in it. Anything, any area, you're part. If you feel you're a drummer, you're part of that. Therefore, they're going to feel a connection like I did when I was a kid. I was already connected to this community because I felt like I was a drummer. I didn't have to be the best drummer of the world at the time. You know, it was still driven to be the best in my craft i'm very very much into making sure that the the craft itself is still a very high value i am not i'm not for devaluing the skills mm -hmm. i mean you still got to learn how to play right so so but some people you know some in aspects they think oh you don't have to learn till you play it's just connection well that's okay for you that's separate not my world my world is, yeah, you can do all this and be a highly skilled drummer at the same time, but you still need to connect. For me, I had a very hard time connecting and drumming, playing with others was the only way I could connect. I remember um, years ago, the pastor at my church said one of the things that he always liked about me when we used to do these, uh, we used to do these big musical events where we had a bunch of different guests and I was usually the drummer in the backup band. But one of the things he said he always liked about me is he said is you are always an accompanist and never the star, which might sound funny, but for me, that's where yeah. I found comfort. I found comfort in being part of yeah. the community but i found discomfort in being the center of attention and okay and sometimes when you look at different situations like i said the path is always hey you want to master your craft so you can get on the stage and you can get the kudos and things and not everybody wants that um nope. and so it's interesting sometimes to look at other people's perspectives of our own journeys and to see how we fit into this big picture 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good point because that 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 is what was right for you. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have this. It's wrong if you have to pretend that now you want to be the famous one, you know. And it's like, like for me, I wanted to be the famous one. I was like, no, I'm going for the top. <laughs> like that, that's that's innate to me, yeah. you know. And so pretending that I didn't want to or didn't want to have a huge impact would have been a disservice to my soul right so you've got to do what's right for you and this is when like this is what i'm talking about when it comes to your soul being involved here you know for most people know what they really want and it might not fit the norm of course mine didn't fit the norm at all <laughs> and then i know like you without dom famulero let's bring dom famulero yep. into the conversation because oh what would we do well i I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have made it this far for sure without his support. I'm sure your listeners know who Dom Famulero is, global yes. drumming ambassador who just recently passed away. I met him 20 years ago when I was even like way out, out so obscure that, you know, but he saw me as a drummer. He didn't see me as a percussionist. He didn't see me as something Weird. Well, he did. He did know I was an outcast or an outlier, <laughs> because. But he invited me in, and that's. And then I know for yourself, for people that don't fit the norm, it's easy for the the community itself to think they're so different. Your brain's just like they're different, so they're outside. They can't be trusted. They're not like us. But they. But leaders good leaders like like Tom quality leaders are going to bring those people in right this is what i try to do is bring them it doesn't matter you're going to grow as you as you go along here in the path of the drummer if you're called to it you got to stay with it and see where it takes you see the people that you will meet along the way and how your life will change and like like i said i had no idea this is where i would end up but Dom's belief and bringing me in and saying, no, no, you, 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 you got something here. You got it. It'll take you 20 years, girl, to figure it out. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It was like, no, it's, I belonged. He, he allowed me to belong. And now I'm, now I'm, I mean, I spent the whole time think, telling everybody, oh, you belong. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody else doesn't think you do, you do. I still remember my very first lesson with Dom Famliero. Um, I had won a free lesson for signing up on a mailing list. And I remember getting really stressed out because I had never done an online lesson before. My perspective of Dom is that he's, you know, the drumming's global ambassador and he's an icon and he's a master of hand technique and things. So I was prepared for traditional lesson and I had my practice pad and I was all set to go. We didn't play a note. We didn't talk Mm. about hand technique. We talked about me for an hour and he he wanted to know know, what my influences were. He wanted to know what my passions were, what my background was, what goals that I wanted to achieve. And I didn't even know at that point. My mother had passed away close to that time. And so we talked a lot about that. and And I had found that losing my mother one of the things that a relative had actually said to me on that day was that your mother was incredibly proud of you. So what are you going to do with your life to make her even more proud? Wow. And I found that had a huge impact on me. And so I remember mm-hmm. and remember saying to Dom that now I got to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I don't know. And I had I had worked as a 
and as an educator for years, you know, previously, and I kind of got tired of, of some of the environments that I was working in. So I st took a step back from that. And after my conversation with Dom, he said, you need to get back into education, but you need to figure out what that means to you. That doesn't just mean get a job teaching part-time at a yeah. music store, teaching drum lessons, because you just need to get that back into your life. And it allowed me to kind of reevaluate my own situation. And I looked at things with a different perspective and it changed my life. And for a long mm -hmm. time, the thing I found with Dom is that, you know, he has thousands of students but I felt like I was the most important person in the room and he cared about me. So a lot of our lessons over the years that I got to spend with them were conversations as opposed to, you know, playing music because I needed yeah. someone to bounce ideas off of. And I didn't always need him yeah. to give me the solution. I just mm -hmm. needed to talk to him so that I yeah. can figure out the solution by opening up to someone that genuinely cared and was there to offer yeah. offer guidance when I needed to, but without trying to say, oh, here's the solution for everything, you gotta do this. Because too many times when you're talking to people, they have the solution and they can't wait to tell you the solution, but sometimes mm -hmm. people just want someone to listen to them. And I mm -hmm. think that's an important aspect in addition to the music aspect, I, I think it's also important to have that element as part of your therapy. You need to have someone that will listen to you without making you feel like you're being judged mm -hmm. just so that you can kind of open up because sometimes by just opening up the conversation, it starts to help you personally reflect and you start to figure out some things. Then you can have someone help guide you at that point as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was really masterful at that. I mean, I, I, I like I said, I've known him, knew him for 20 years. I never took a single lesson from him. I, I, I never, I, I basically <laughs> never followed his advice either. <laughs> but, but I love the connection, you know? He was the art of drumming. I'm the science of drumming. He was the art of empowerment. I'm the science of empowerment. We saw this this vision and he understood I had a massive vision and he wasn't threatened by it. Mm -hmm. So I loved that conversation with him too. And, and it, like I said, it didn't have to be advice. And, and here's the thing when it comes to advice or somebody to listen to two different people, right? Doesn't necessarily like for me, I'm an advisor. Yeah. That's what I do. I give you <laughs> the answer because I know what needs that's my training now another person would be the person that just listens right that's uh, uh um uh unconditional uh, positive regard of, is what that's called where they're just nurturing and he was very much like that right he wanted to he wanted to bring that out in you and that was that was sp spectacular how he could do that and let me say this the drumming industry is going to miss him at a level as a trauma special let me tell you this it's coming down the pipeline because right now People are, are, you know, we're celebrating his life. We feel great. He, we have these stories, but we're missing the person that brought all of us together, the outsiders. And, and that's going to cause grief and suffering down the line here. So this is why these conversations are important instead of pretending 
Like, no, nobody's going to grieve after. It's all going to go on the same. And we're all going to be like, hey, do it for Dom. It's like, oh, no, there's going to be suffering because there's not enough leaders like him that can come in and say, oh, no, it's you. You belong. You absolutely belong. Let me welcome you into this community. Well, and one of the comments that I had made when Dom had passed was that I felt like an outsider and Dom opened the door. And for yeah. me, that was huge, you know, and then I remember the day that Dom had passed away, I'd come home and I was reaching out to some acquaintances and stuff in the community, because as you know, I put a little tribute episode together and you had submitted a, a, yeah. a thing for that. Yeah, that was beautiful. And so I had to reach out to these people and I remember thinking, I still sometimes feel lost in my own little world, but yet I am currently grieving the loss of my mentor and I'm reaching out to others in the community who are going through the same thing. And the people I'm re reaching out to are icons in this industry that even yeah. like a year or so ago, I would have never felt like I would have ever had access to these people. And now I'm part of this community, I have these connections. And that's one of the powers that Dom had is that he saw yeah. value in people and it didn't matter what level you were on or what path you were going through. Mm -hmm. He just, if he saw value in you, you were part of the community and other people in the community accepted that. And so I found great comfort in being able to reach out to some of my heroes and some people that I have been hugely influential in my own development who are all going through the same grieving experience. Yeah. And to me, that was the real value that Dom had is just he expanded the community and everyone who was part of that had value and something to offer. Even when you didn't, didn't always feel like you had value, you did because he believed in you and yeah. he introduced you to the world. Yeah. And he was really great at making, you had to work for it. Yes. You know, yep. it's not like everybody's no, equal value. No, He's like, no. oh, I see something in you, but you're going to, you know, come back to me in five years when yes. you figure more out, yep. you know, that, and that, that's the difference, right? That's so admirable. So you've worked your way up to where you are now. And now you have this incredible podcast and I can tell you found your place. Like you can tell it's so authentic and you're opening this door to talking about topics like grieving mm -hmm. hello there's more to it right there's depth i tried to do that with the 21st century drummer magazine if you remember a couple years yep. back i had i wanted to bring a whole different perspective now at that time the the industry couldn't hold something it was so weird to them that there would be like what if we had like deep conversations like not like hey who'd you play with who'd you inspired mm -hmm. you this like surface level I was like no I want to hear the people about the suffering and how you really overcame it now don't fake it like don't tell me that you're doing fine now because you're making millions because now I'm not buying it because I know <laughs> they took their brain with them yeah. so they're still <laughs> suffering right unless you've learned so you've given you 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 found your place to open this conversation i find that incredibly incredibly uh admirable and and very valuable to this community so good on you for that thank you i think the stuff is important and i think people want to talk about this they just don't know how to start the conversation so i'm mm -hmm. willing to start the conversation um yeah. because i know 
I needed people to have these conversations. And I, and I remember I had a, a colleague of mine, he once said to me, when you have a point or you have something to share, you just have to share it and be willing to mm -hmm. be vulnerable. And you may never know who is going to hear that message, but someone out there needed to hear that message or that story that you had to share. And that's why you do it. Yeah. You don't do it because you want to try and get, you know, huge followings for stuff. It's it's about yeah. share, sharing the message and knowing that someone's receiving that message, even if it's anonymous. Yes, that, that, you know, that's really important because the other part of this piece of the puzzle is as as far as value is sometimes for some of us it was me the place where you thought you belong the industry doesn't value what you offer mm -hmm. so for me i had to go into this completely different uh world of workplace trauma and mental health where the value of what i offer is such a, at a high premium where they see my value where when i was doing the 21st century drummer they, nobody could see the value so sometimes you do have you got to move you got to mm -hmm. take that path and move with you and which is amazing that the work i do now my boss that i do uh consulting he's a drummer so we have this connection. So you don't realize, right? And then it all swings back and now we're back in the industry. And, and you know, so the finding where your value or who you're true, what you have to offer is valuable in the marketplace is a huge part of the piece of the puzzle for people that isn't, isn't spoken about enough. Now, you as a therapist, when you are dealing with clients that are coming to you who have a variety of different backgrounds or, or challenges. How do you assess what is the best place to start? Which I know is a very difficult question to ask, but <laughs> but generally there's going to be a point of which you can you, that you can kind of start to see how you know adding the the rhythmic entrainment aspect or maybe incorporating just the concept of rhythmic breathing or other elements is going to be beneficial but how yeah. do you how do you kind of start this process well you, you know the the thing is because i have been doing this for so long with so many different areas of leadership and development i can see i, I got a bird's eye view yeah so i can tell by the way they speak to me the way i can tell by the way they're thinking the way they're processing the way they hold their body i can get a really good read on on my clients without them having to explain it is the little things that comes from experience of course right and i can call bullshit <laughs> so quick like I, I'm like, oh no, not buying it. And my yeah. clients, no, I'm really direct. Like I don't, I'm not, I, 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 I I'm like, like smack them over the head. Yeah. Like no way in hell am I believing this? Cause it doesn't matter how much, you know, social status you have or money you have or how mentally tough you think you're, you're suffering. I can tell, I can tell that you're thinking of suicide without even anybody saying it. I know you are. I know, I know what that is like. So I can sense that and I get a good read on it. Now I do very little of the actual rhythmic side other than the NRTT program that I designed. Mm -hmm. I don't do that with most clients. So most clients, they're not even ready for that. 
So I have to talk about other things mostly. So it's very brain based on retraining to get to their goals, whatever that is. Usually it's a relationship, you know, usually the relationships have gone to shit and then they're like, (laughs) you know, thinking that, you know, or, or like I said, a lot of depression, tremendous amount. They just hate other people. Basically they come in and they just like, I hate human beings. <laughs> you know, they're all, they're all crazy. Don't want, and then they, they're removing themselves. And I'm like, ah, uh, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. I'm going to bring you out of this. So I basically have to wrap my soul around theirs and breathe life into them. So they know how much I care, like really care. And then it, we go from that place, you know, so they can tell, they can tell just as they can tell from my authenticity like you can't fake this you have to you've had to suffer through it to get to the other side to be able to connect like this i'm like oh no i know this world <laughs> so one of the other things that i found going back to the my earlier point when uh, when my mother passed away which is about about 10 years ago one of the pieces that I, advice that i had got from a friend of mine was everyone is going to expect you to react a certain way there's kind of a, um, a perception protocol that thinks that, hey, in these moments of grief, when you're overcoming elements, you're going to do this and you're going to follow this and then you're going to go through these, these, these different elements. And they always talk about the different stages. And yes, there are different stages of this. But the advice that he gave me was you're going to react in ways that you're not going to understand. And the th- and you are going to be really hard on yourself in situations when you feel like you're not reacting the way that people are going to perceive that you should and it's important mm-hmm. to be yeah. able it's important to be able to just accept the process however it affects you when it affects you because people are going to expect you to react right away and it, you may react two months mm-hmm. later and yeah. there's there's yeah. going to be there's going to be little elements that are going to trigger these emotions that you may not Yes. always understand or and sometimes it, you know, you can go from the highest high to suddenly fall on the floor full of emotion because something set this yeah. off and so you and i talked a little bit about the whole drumming community is dealing with this loss of dom familiero yeah. and we're collectively coming together to share these experiences but how do you you know advise or assist people when they're dealing with their own Uh, situations of grief well you know first of all let me let me gather what you have just said and and remind you and others listening that it is your brain that is causing these behaviors these thoughts these responses these emotions this is not your soul so if you do you know batshit crazy things (laughs) that make no sense in grief that's your brain so we've got to be aware that that's that's okay. Like it's a separating that your brain as that identity, so or, or entity. And this is what I was saying is that you've got to separate it because you got to give yourself a free pass for your behaviors when you're grieving and your thoughts and how you process this. Because, like you said, you might not be processing any of it right now. A lot of people, you, you basically ride on adrenaline, which sounds weird when somebody passes, but it's so stimulating, right? And you're gathering all this grief. Well, 
six months from now, you could have a major drop. So you have to be aware of that, that your brain has processed this. And in the meantime, you've got to be able to take care, be aware of how much you're uh, suppressing these emotions. And then when you have the emotions, then you got to be able to express it, like, like consciously express it. So if you're feeling great grief for the loss of Dom and you're applying this to music, you've got to consciously be aware when, you, when you're sitting on the throne that I'm going to express this for him. I'm going to show this sadness through this is- instrument for him. So it's very conscious, right? You're not just sit playing and thinking that everything's going to be okay because that's, that's not helping. So everything I, that I do and what I advise anybody listening is to be consciously aware of your choices, of how you're going to express it, how you're going to uh, pay your respects and, your, and, and share this love that we had for this man is, is, is your opportunity to do something that means something for you, right? You can't like outsource it. You know, like it has to be something close and meaningful, very, very meaningful. And, and, and know that there are people like us that we really care. We really, we don't, we don't go through this path of being outliers and then coming back in because we don't care. We would have left, yeah. <laughs> right? We're here because we absolutely care. <laughs> One of the other things that I often find interesting is that I was curious about how sometimes we need to embrace our own perceived failures in different experiences in order to help overcome a lot of the different challenges in our lives. Because sometimes you may be dealing with whatever aspect it is, and you look at your stumbling blocks as I did this and I failed and therefore I can't overcome this because I failed. And I think it's really essential that we acknowledge our failures. We find ways to overcome those in order to help move on from there. That doesn't mean that we have to turn all of our failures into successes, but we can't, we can't ignore those things because there are lessons in those failures and experiences that I think we need to acknowledge and embrace. So I was kind of interested in your perspective on that. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, failure, failures, <laughs> that's part of life, man. Have I, fa- <laughs> I failed so big publicly, like just major failures. And, and the thing is you can't try to run from that. Like I'm a realist. I, I everything I, is based in reality. I'm, I'm optimistic, but I base everything in reality. So when you have an epic fail mm-hmm. or so you do something that you're just breaches your integrity and you're just so ashamed of yourself, you have to acknowledge it because if you suppress it, your brain's going to royally fuck with you the rest of your life. It'll torture you. That's what it's designed to do because it's suppressed it and now it's going to give you all sorts of kind of, you know, defense mechanisms to make make it like you you didn't really fail or, you know, cognitive biases. It'll just completely take you down a path that you never wanted to be on because you didn't have the courage 
to learn from your mistakes, make damn sure you learn from your mistakes, not suppressing it, learn from it so that you can move on to the next stage of whatever it is you want to do, right? You have to have that, have that courage, right? To be able to acknowledge those failures. That, that is incredibly important. And you need to have the courage and you have to do the work. And I think too many times <laughs> people are, are kind of given a perspective or a potential solution to whatever challenge and you will accept the knowledge, but you don't actually do the work. And I know you have encountered that countless times. Well, you gotta apply it, people. You gotta apply. It is applied for, yeah, yeah. When I was younger, I was dealing with social anxiety and I remember going through uh, a group, you know, the, the help with social anxiety situations. And every week they kind of assigned a certain task to everyone that, that helped them deal with their specific challenge. It was all about your own belief in terms of other people's mm -hmm. perceptions. And one of the things that I found really interesting was the discussions afterwards you started to realize that when you're in a room and you're struggling with whatever it is that you're struggling with, you are looking around the room and you think all of these people, they're talking about me and how much of a challenge and a struggle that I am. And the reality of most of the situations that we learned was most of the people in the room have no idea that you're actually even in the room. You're not part of their <laughs> conversation, but we're so caught up in our own stuff that we need to kind of yeah. just realize that other people's perceptions are not always the same as our perceptions. And I found a lot of these things to be quite helpful because I was actually did the work that was assigned to me and it was not okay. easy. But when I look yeah. back at a lot of these situations, I was able to overcome things just because by tackling that task, you realize that, hey, if I can tackle this, that was a huge mountain to climb that actually was not a huge mountain to climb maybe I can tackle the next task. And so sometimes people look at things and go, okay, you know, I have a problem. I'm going to go to Dr. Pamela and in a week yeah. I'm going to have a conversation. It's going to fix all my problems. And that's not the reality yeah. of things. It's all about a sort of a lifetime of study and being able to look at different elements as well. This is a journey and we're going to find some situations are easy to embrace and other ones are not. But I think it's important if we really want to overcome whatever it is that we're dealing with, that we are willing to take those scary steps and to do the tasks that are presented to us. Absolutely. I mean, the, so much of what I do, and I, and I understand there's, like I said, some major misconceptions out there, but everything I do is skill training like everything. You're missing skills to deal with uh, anxiety. You're missing the skills to retrain the brain, to bring yourself out of depression. You're missing these skills. Now, what has happened is that psychology, it's been around longer. So it's so focused on the mind and this kind of, you know, talk therapy. Well, now we know because of the brain science that anxiety for that in, in that situation, you've got to go through your body to be able to deal with anxiety. It's not all thinking. So for good reason, people, <laughs> you know, if I had, if I had known it would take for your rest of your life, yeah. no, that's disempowering. Yeah. 
But think of it as skill chaining, small bits of the time to get back in control. Because the first thing I do is get people back in control of their of their own brain, because then you can function, right? It doesn't matter what the symptom is, but you've got to get back in control. And suffering is what's hard. Not the strategies put in place. Not hard, people. That's not hard. Suffering is hard. Pain is hard. And that's what, that's why you need the skill training to, to be able to recover from what you're dealing with. Now, throughout your career, what are some of the projects that you have been involved in that have had some of the biggest impacts on your personal development and where you've kind of ended up? Because I said, you, you, you wrote a book, you started a, and published a, a magazine, which I loved by the way. And I devoured oh, thank each, you. Each, each <laughs> issue. I was sad that circumstances were sort of set that you went into a different direction, but I got a significant yeah. amount of value out of that specific project. And I know you've done lots of different things. What are some of the yeah. projects that have really benefited you the most? Well, that's funny that you mentioned those because I wouldn't have thought those were being the main ones. Because for me, I mean, I have the, the two that come to mind and, and they're related, which is just blows my mind. Dom would have loved this is that, I, you know, after my when right when I was injured, I had the opportunity to perform at the Cape Breton uh, Drum Festival, where I met all the icons of uh, the drumming, uh, rock drumming community. I met my my future husband at that time, Danny Serafin. Um, was married to him. And then, so that was a major impact. Now, I got at that time, I was studying the flow science, the flow uh, state of mind from a neurobiological perspective. That's 2008. Fast forward 2023, I was just interviewed for a, a, a major uh, docu-series coming out on flow perform flow state of mind for peak performance. Mm -hmm. Now, think of the amount of years that went by that that all this now nobody even knows this exists. It wouldn't even be out till next year. But now it's on film of how I created the drumming part and the flow state of mind. And all this came together without thinking that it would have come from 2008, 2006, right? Those are major pivotal points for me. Even the, the other one, it, it, it doesn't even matter if it's successful. For me, it gathered my research, my work and allowed me to put it together. And let me tell you, I'm so sad that Dom isn't gonna be able to see it because it would have been what I, that was what I wanted to share. And this is what, like we talked about missing is that being all the successes in the world don't mean anything if you don't have somebody to share it with mm -hmm. that understands how much it took to get there. And so, so to me, even though, it, like I said, doesn't matter what happens with the documentary, it that that to me is a it's a major pivotal point where it took all my work and just put it together to show people what is available to them the the, the world of drumming that nobody ever saw except from my my perspective and and like i said those are that 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 came from the the cape breton and what had happened at that time We'd, you'd never know that those pieces would fit together like it's so random 
right? And, and, and all of a sudden, all these years later, it ties in with the research that I originally did. It, it, it blows my mind how that, that turns out like that. So, and I hope there's many great things that are coming down the pipeline as well. Well, I am happy to experience and support all of the things that you're doing because I've gotten so much benefit out of all of the things that you have done before. Like I said, your magazine, the book that Dom gave me a copy of, and you said, you need to read this. And it's something that I have read through a number of, of times. And I know a lot of your studies and things have, have sort of changed and you've gone in some different directions, but I see a significant amount of value in terms of the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you acknowledging that. It's It's been a long, long journey. <laughs> you started out on a music path. Uh, you wanted to take over the world, become a huge success. Now you have a background in neuroscience and therapy. How is music still significant in your life these days? Oh, it's still huge. It, it, it is, it is, it's the foundation of everything I do. So it, it did, even when I'm doing vicarious trauma uh, training, crisis de-escalation training, I'm still bringing in the drumming. I'm still getting people to understand that you need your body to retrain your brain. Like it's just part of it. It flows so seamless. What it used to be like all like all drumming and then all this. And now, you know, I play the, the music that I record is part of it. And I'm still recording. I still, I mean, recording is, I'm definitely a soloist. Like mm -hmm. I'm a soloist. <laughs> I still got that. No, it's me. It's really me. No. <laughs> but you know, so, it, it's never going away. I'm in this for life. You can't, you can't take it from me. You can't, there's nothing that's going to dissuade me from staying uh, solid as a drummer and, and mastering my skills even more. Like I'm just constantly trying to improve my skills. It will always be a huge part of my life. Now, if you look at the drumming aspect um, in terms of like a healing tool, going back to some of these drum circles, there's a real spiritual aspect to some of these situations. Yeah. What's your perspective on that? You know, mine's quite a bit different from a spiritual yeah. perspective because I'm all science. However, mm -hmm. I'm all for the soul. I'm all for the soul. It feeds my soul. If it feeds their soul, I don't have the the um, the belief that it's the drum with the spirit, and I get that other culture, especially in world percussion, it's based on their religion and culture. So I have respect for that. But for me, it is about the soul, and if what you do lights up your soul, gives it strength, then then it counts. That's the spiritual side to me. And that's what I share with my clients. That's why I give them. I'm like, Hey, you don't have to start drumming, but Hey, maybe, maybe your soul wants it. And you just did not know it even existed for you. Like just off it like that as an educator I've, I've often had a lot of younger students and when they're in situations where they get to play in an ensemble or i have a, a couple of students that you know play in some bands they often have said to me that they find certain things boring to play because they're not really exciting because a part of the development of a musician is you tend to gravitate towards the complexity of things because that's really mm -hmm. impressive but then they have to play a ballad or they're going to play slower aspects of music and they say oh it's just boring and then so what i always tell them yeah. is that if you're bored what you need to do is that you need to stop 
getting inside your head and you need to look at the people that you're playing for. And what you need mm -hmm. to do is that you need to now focus on getting a reaction from them. And what happens mm -hmm. is that when you're playing music, music should be joyful. If you're not feeling the experience, you need to find someone in the room and start playing mm -hmm something it doesn't need to be complicated but to start playing something to try and get a reaction from that person and if you can mm -hmm. get them to start tapping their foot or smile or maybe start moving their body a little bit you've now made a connection and what then happens mm -hmm. is that you're, you're building that community and now you're uplifting someone else's soul which is going to uplift yeah. your soul and now you're going to find what is really important about playing music mm -hmm. because when you're bored you're not focused yeah. on the essential aspect of stuff and and i've often found that they've come back and said yeah i had to play this ballad for this thing and i i watched someone and i wanted to make them you know clap their hands you started playing and they clapped their hands and they smiled you've now made a connection because oh that's great rhythmically it's it's picked them up now you're gonna get that energy back off of them it's gonna pick you back up and now you've taken your focus away from you and you've kind of expanded it and and i think that's one of the things is that even in a solitary aspect there's still mm -hmm. a connection that you're gonna make with people. And when you're having trouble yourself, you need to bring someone else in. And that's the kind of the, the community aspect of music. It's, it's really, it's a healing aspect in many different ways. For years, I played in a worship band in my church and there would be days when mm -hmm. I was frustrated because things weren't set up properly and I'd have to go in yeah. and the, the sound system wouldn't be working or I would be tired from a gig the night before. And I'd walk in and I had all of this sort of negative energy and then I would play and someone be uplifted because they were having a challenging week which would uplift me and that's when i really started to see how powerful music and particularly rhythm mm -hmm. can be and it started to change my whole approach and my whole perspective uh, as a musician and really trying to make that connection mm -hmm. rather than always getting stuck in my own head or my own challenging journey that's a wonderful thing to be teaching your students like seriously you're talking about depth depths of connection with people. And that's, that's a beautiful thing, right? So I totally understand from myself is that from being bored with simple things, I get that. So there's another aspect. Let me, let me add to that, that I don't think we talked with drummers is some of us have more fast twitch muscles mm -hmm. and some are slow twitch. So I am, I'm all fast twitch. I'm a, I'm a sprinter at heart. I am just a hundred percent full. So there is that aspect of playing that that feeds my soul. If you make me go slow, it's going to make me want to die. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck for? However, I do it to deepen the, the, my technique, right? Mm -hmm. So, and slow it down and simplify it so you have those skills. So it's, it's a bit of both. So we've got to know who we're dealing with. What if they're fast twitch or slow twitch? Because slow twitch, this you got you got the blues, we got the jazz, we've got that, you know, like there's a different type of person that's gonna to gravitate to that. And I really want to embrace all 
styles, like all forms, whatever works for that person. I don't think that we should put uh, fast twitch muscle people trying to get them <laughs> to go into like the other, you know, I didn't do well in jazz. Let me, let me tell you, it, it was, you know, not my thing, not my, get me playing blues. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's painful. But I love that you deepen the experience for your, your students. That's so important. Well, and that's a lesson that I had to learn myself because we're all you know, I, I always say, you know, young students, and I don't mean age wise, I just mean young in your journey, you could be yeah. starting out first student I ever had was a retired doctor. And I had asked him, why do you want to learn how to play the drums? And he said, him and his wife had just got a divorce. He goes, I got two adult children. And I bought a new house. And there was a drum set in the house. And I'm a doctor. And I, I have a very stressful life. And I thought it would be fun to come home and just play the drums. I have zero interest in playing for people or for playing because I just want to play the drums. I'm like, perfect. It's amazing. Yeah, I can help you with that. Because sometimes teachers forget that the path that they found joy in isn't the path that yeah. other people are going to yeah. find joy in. And as it, when I started out as a teacher, everything that I loved about the things that I learned, I was so enthusiastic to teach to the students that I had. And I would get frustrated because they weren't as interested in the things that I mm -hmm. found interesting. Now I take a completely different approach. I want to learn more about them and figure out their own thing, but they also have to trust me yeah. when they have a challenge. I want you to tell me what that challenge is, and I'm going to give you a tool to overcome that. And I guarantee it will work, yeah. but you have to do the work. And, yeah. and sometimes it's always the same thing. Oh, I'm having a problem with this. I'm having a problem with this. Great. Let me reintroduce that concept to you, because I guarantee if you work on this for two weeks, it's going to help. Yeah. So as a therapist or as an educator, that's also one of the challenges that it's a matter of having to convince the people that we need to help, that they actually need to follow our advice. And eventually, if they really want to embrace it, they will. But sometimes it, it yeah. takes uh, some maneuvering to kind of get them back on track. Yeah, yeah it's really why I really only deal with people that are already fully committed because like I'm like I'm going to push you at a level that you've never experienced yeah. so you've got to be committed if you're on the fence like if you have to try to convince somebody that these strategies are going to then that that I'm not the right person for that person because I'm not like no I'm going to I'm going to I'll drive you crazy if that's <laughs> if that's the case so I like that you're able to be you know kind of go both ways, push, be able to push them and then be able to hold back. And of course, I, I have those skills, but for massive change, then it's all out for us. A, 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 I do 12 weeks, what that is like 12 week blocks, 90 mm -hmm. days. So you get the results and then so you got to push, push, push to get through that. So different ways, but hey, we're, we're making a difference. It, it's, it's all good. <laughs> Dr. Pamela, this has been an absolute pleasure and we can go on for hours and hours on this discussion. And I know that you and I will have further discussions on this, but for people that are interested in connecting with you or finding out more details in terms of some of the things that you have been doing and some of the projects that you're involved in, what's the best way to connect with you? 
Uh, best way is drpamelaserafin.com, neuromasteryacademy.com. Both you can find me, all my works on there. It's always evolving, but love, love to have your listeners reach out to me. Love that. So, And I want to really thank you, like I said, for opening the door to this kind of deeper conversation, which is so needed. And I, I'm just so happy for you, Michael, that you have found your place in this with this podcast. It's really incredible. That means a lot to me. And I also want to thank you for your kindness and support, because I know I've reached out to you numerous times throughout the years and um, you have been nothing but absolutely supportive and, and kind. And that means a lot to me. So I look forward to continuing this conversation at some point. Sounds perfect to me. All the best. We'll chat thank soon. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Take care. been listening to the drummer's pathway podcast please share and subscribe to get the word out and let's keep the discussion going thanks for listening and i'll see you next time